You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you today? I'm good, Steve. Do you know what I like? When you start off and you say, of course. Of course. Who else would be joining me, Trish? I don't know, but I like that. I don't know. I'm just saying I like when I hear, of course. (laughs) Well, that's great. Great to talk to you today. Great to be back on the HR Happy Hour Show. We've been on a nice roll lately with the show, I think. We have been. It's been good. I think it makes it easier, don't you? It's sort of like we get in that habit and, and just, yeah, the ideas keep coming. Maybe that's why, too. I just feel I feel more creative. I think it's because the children are going back to school soon, and I'm finally like, ah, it's, yes. it's on. The children's. Get Game them out. Face. Go, go, go learn something. <laughs> get out. Exactly. Hey, one quick announcement. Of course, we want to thank our show sponsor, Virgin Pulse been with us since 1987 or so, or maybe sooner. Exactly. 82. www.virginpulse.com. Let me get the plug out, Trish. (laughs) But they're awesome, and uh, we're so happy they've been with us for so long, and uh, great supporters of the show, and really got a nice shout-out from uh, Erica Vellini from Deloitte on our last show, or one of our last shows anyway, where we did the Deloitte Human Capital Trends Review, and we talked a little bit about – wellness, well-being, kind of holistic approaches to that. And so a uh, nice shout-out to them. So uh, thanks to them, as always. That show was fun, that Erica show as well. And we also did one recently with Gene Meister all about AI and HR. That was uh, pretty cool, too. If you haven't checked that one out, uh, please do. But Trish, you tweeted something recently, and I was not even aware of this. And I'm, I'm okay. blindsiding you with the question, so hopefully you'll get the oh, right goodness. answer. Pretty okay. big, a pretty big HR Happy Hour Podcast Network milestone got passed recently. I'd love for you to share that with the audience. It did. So in the last month, we have hit our millionth download Ooh. since you started the show back in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was just nine years ago. I'm not sure. Um, as a young no, in, in all seriousness, um, huge kudos to you, Steve, because you did. You started the show 2009 in the spring. If anyone has not gone back and listened to some of those first few shows, please do. It was <laughs> it was started just with you wanting to talk to HR pros, right? Getting people, you know, social media was pretty new. Um, the whole idea of podcasting for sure in HR was new. And so, yeah, you would probably have to listen to 50, 60, maybe 80 shows before the word podcast even came up. Like right, we, we, right. we didn't think of the show as a podcast. We thought of it as a show. And it, it turned into a podcast because of just just how the platform worked. But uh, yeah, one million downloads—that's pretty pretty cool, I think. It's it like uh, when I checked, it's like one million fifty three thousand downloads. Yeah. Oh. And, and so it's been recent, um, in the last month or two. But it's it's incredible the the amount that we're getting now. Every single episode is it's just 
it's a real blessing. Well, I that's, really, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad to be part of it. Um, you know, I joined on in 2013, which also, that's been a bit, right? I've been, um, yeah, I can't remember off. what show number you, you, you jumped in on. We're, we're in the 330 range of, of this mm-hmm. show and plus the, with the network shows, you know, add yep. in another 50 or 60 probably shows that have run on the network in the last couple of years. Right. So, uh, it's been amazing, though. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for all the support. Trish, thank you, of course, for everything. Well, let's thank Shauna Morky, the original co-host of the HR Happy Hour show as well. She had a big part in the 1 million uh, listens and downloads over the years. So shout out to Shauna. Hope she's well. I'm sure and she's And you know still, what? Sure she's when listening. I was tweeting about this, Steve, I have to tell you, people would like to go back and at least do one live one like we used to and have all the people calling in. And I think a lot of the... The originals would love to call back in. So if we can get Bill Borman, Lisa Rosendahl, Mark Stelzner, you know, all, Paul Hebert, Frank Zupan, all the old crew to call back in, I think that would really be a fun, lively, um, lively way all to right. celebrate. Well, we'll do so that. We, we, we need to plan that. We should do like a one millionth kind of celebration show. We'll figure out a time to schedule that. Okay. that we'll do it. We'll do it. It's Absolutely. a plan. And we'll do it at night. We got to do it at night, Treasure. Yeah, we'll at night. That. It's got to be at happy yeah. hour. All right. Absolutely. Let's get on with the fun today. Oh, last quick announcement for me. HR Tech Conference coming up in about a month from the time you listen to this. www.hrtechconference.com. Use my code Steve300 for $300 off your conference registration. So, you know what we're going to talk about today, Trish? What are we going to talk about? Performance today? management, everybody's favorite topic. We're going to see if we can really, we can see, let's see if the HR happy hour can make performance management fun and interesting. I think we can do it. I think we can, because I have to tell you, it's it, when, when you're in HR, it's important. It's something that comes up all the time. If you're in, in uh, just a business leader, right? We're always thinking about giving people feedback. How do you do reviews? What's the best way? So it's actually a really timely topic. It's something that people do spend a lot of their time thinking about and hopefully doing. And so what better way than to get an expert in here to really tell us about not just the trends of it all, but what's really happening out there in the industry right now. So I'm excited. Yeah, it should be fun. Our guest today is Michael Heller. Michael is the CEO and founder of iReview. He's a seasoned human resources exec who specializes in the development and implementation of human resources. While while he loves getting people to have more frequent performance conversations, he's passionate about being a frustrated chef and college basketball. I'm not sure if that's fan or player, Michael, but either one. He's a graduate of the University of Connecticut and Georgetown U, two great basketball schools, oddly enough, and lives outside Washington, D.C. with his wife, daughter, and two dogs, whose names I do not know, but hopefully Michael will share their names. Michael Heller, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. Hey, Steve. Thank you. Hi, Trish. Hi there. Um, my two dogs, Louise and Thelma. Charlie. Oh, Charlie. Okay. You know <laughs> Close. I was going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have never heard. All right. So I have to ask. I've never heard of a dog named Louise. Charlie, I have heard before. So what's the story on Louise? Is Interestingly, she is named after she's, a res- she's a rescue. And she um, came with that name. And we couldn't think of one that was better. Charlie had a way worse name. And uh, we gave him the name Charlie. His name was uh, spelled N-U-K-N-U-K, pronounced Nook Nook. Nook Nook? Uh, I don't even know how you – yeah, exactly. So so as you know, we, we had to change Charlie, Louise. And, and Louise, actually, her personality, it sticks with her. I picture like a little grandma or something. Is she like a little grandma? She's a little old lady now, but she's still got a lot of spunk in her. So yeah, exactly like, like anyone's grandma. 
Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm a fan of giving dogs or any kind of pets, really, like just normal person names. Like, I'm good with that. Like, my son's dog is named Amy. And there aren't a tremendous amount of Amys out there in the canine world, as far as I can tell. I don't think so either. You and my wife would get along really well. My wife wants to name our next dog Elliot. Yeah. And uh, again, not... Not a big fan of that, though. <laughs> I kind of love Elliot. So I, I lost. I wanted to name my male dog um, Lloyd Dobler. Anyone familiar with Lloyd Dobler? Yes. Of course. From Say Anything, right? right so right, I right. felt like that would be the I, – I believe in the dog having maybe two names. I don't know why. But anyway, so um, the, the children in the neighborhood decided we should name him Marco Polo. And they didn't tell me, I didn't get the joke until I went out for the first time to call Marco because I'd yell Marco <laughs> and, stuff, and the whole neighborhood polo, yeah. right? But the funny part now is, and obviously he's had this name for a very long time, um, now he's almost totally blind. Uh, so the very fact that I have a blind dog named Marco Polo is kind of funny, right? <laughs> all the better for the game. So, okay. This, this, we could talk right. about this all day. And we and actually, Trish, we'll cover this on my other podcast, Dog Life Today. So we'll let's save oh, the rest okay. of this conversation for that, that for that show. <laughs> we are going to talk about performance management with Michael Heller from iReview. The first thing, Michael, I'm just going to throw it right out there. Performance management, uh, performance reviews. Are, are we still really doing these? Because I feel like about three years ago, four years ago, it was just all the rage for organizations and for people, uh, pundits and talking heads, like people like on this show like us, to say the performance review is dead. It's over. We're not doing them anymore. I mean, what's the reality? What's really happening out there? You're working with all kinds of organizations around performance management. What, what's happening in the performance management space? You know, Steve, that's a great question. And no, it's not dead. I would love to see it dead. I think that they don't really hold a place anymore in the in the work in the workplace. And I would love to at some point in time tell you about my, um, you know, uh, muse for coming up with iReview. But even uh, people as as well known as as Josh Burson say that um, companies, big multinational companies, about 70 percent of them are moving away from the outdated annual review. I wouldn't say they're going away. As a matter of fact, I think that it's it's going to be really hard for companies to move them away because they're tied to so much that happens after the performance review, like promotion, like compensation action and things like that. But what I do believe is that today's employee and today's modern worker, uh, meaning you know anybody who is working in a co-working location or works from home quite a bit or maybe works at a different client site than their employer, needs a a different method and a different vehicle for getting and having those performance conversations to know what direction to go into. So no, I, I think they're still around and alive, but I do think that they're that they're pivoting and they're and they're moving into different directions. And how are organizations kind of managing that pivot? I guess that's my follow-up question. Is, is it through just new technologies, different approaches, this trend towards lightweight, more real time, or or is it a combination of things where we're moving off the annual word-based document piece of paper kind of thing to something else? Like, what are you seeing? Well, I think that it's it's multi-pronged, right? Because uh, a lot of managers out there will tell you, well, I talk to my employees all the time and I tell them what to do and how to do and things like that. But there's no record and there's no back and forth. So certainly, 
technology can help and something as easy as Slack can help with, you know, if it can help with managing projects, it will certainly help with managing performance. However, they're not geared towards that. And there isn't really a one size fits all for something like that. So I think that there's a change management component. And I also think that there's a, an educational or training component that goes along with it too. The change management component is all around, you know, well, we're getting feedback a different way as an employee. And how do I you know, what if I'm getting it from all different angles and all over the place? Am I going to get bombarded, uh, you know, with feedback as if I'm walking down, uh, you know, Times Square and all these neon lights of performance are going to be hitting me in the face? <laughs> Obviously, that's not that's not the way you want it either. But, you know, for managers, too, they're thinking to themselves, oh, man, I hate the annual appraisal. But you know what? I only have to do that once a year. So. Yeah. Good on me. Um, but if I have to do it all the time or once a week or once a quarter or, or whenever something comes up, that sucks. That sounds like it's hard to do when it's really not. So I think that there's a number of different components that are going to go into this trend of changing. And I do think that this trend is going to be better. But I also think that there's going to be hiccups along the way. I remember, was it like 2014 or 2015 when two of the big consulting firms, Deloitte and Accenture said, we're not doing, we're doing away with performance reviews. And then right. they, they said, you know, this is what we're going to do. But then you haven't really heard anything about it. And I have because I'm in the industry <laughs> and it hasn't really changed that much for them yet. But that's like trying to steer, you know, the tight, uh, not the Titanic, but steer a really big ship in a different direction. You have to plan for that a long time in advance and you can't just make that nimble move. So to your point, Steve, when, when you're thinking about, when companies are thinking about how do we do this in a better way, a lightweight solution, um, you know, could be very helpful, especially if it, if it can bolt on to something bigger. You know, it was interesting, Michael, you talked about sort of the perception that people think that it's, it's hard to do it more often. Um, I, I wonder, are you seeing that play out the, like, once you get someone to use maybe more that lightweight, more frequent approach, because to me, it's kind of the opposite, both having been an employee and been an HR, it, the annual is what's hard because it really is a challenge to remember back all of the things that someone did um, throughout a whole year. And sometimes when you, or at least I'll speak for me, sometimes when I'm giving a review or something and all I'm thinking about are the negatives or um, or the most recent or some of those different, you know, radar effects that can happen yep. that you really don't want to happen, like – to me, it feels like, I guess, my perception would be that if you're doing it, um, it more often, you're you're hopefully avoiding some of that. And that way, people on your team do feel like they can maybe make some mistakes without it being like something that's going to impact, you know, their whole year. So I don't, I don't know. That's a, lot, a long-winded question, I know. But like, what are, you, what are you seeing when it comes to that fear and how people are, who are actually doing it, how successful is it for them? I think that so there's there's a couple of questions built in there, Trish, and, and I think one of those questions was how successful are people in doing it? And honestly, it's a mixed bag because, you know, um, giving more feedback more frequently isn't as easy as it sounds. It's not like you just pick up the phone and say, hey, Charlie, terrible job, uh, you know, with with uh, your TPS report or, hey, Suzanne, you did great on this on this uh, activity that you just handed in. Can you tell the rest of the team about it? It's not as simple as that. There needs to be some thought behind it. So in some cases, people think to themselves, you know, oh, great, we're, we're doing this to replace, you know, I had a um, potential customer who said, 
if we're able to adopt this, we're going to replace our mid mid year reviews. You know, they were doing a review cycle twice a year, and the customer was like, "Awesome, let's let's jettison that mid year." And then they said, "Yeah, but we don't want to give feedback more frequently." Um, because it's a change. So in some cases, it's a little bit harder to adopt. What we found is that when there are champions within the organization, you know, champions at the top level or really uh, influential leaders across the organization who are willing to put their neck out there and take a risk and start giving more feedback more frequently, well, then other others follow suit. By the way, that's not a new concept. That's true of anything that's new or or maybe a little different if if some of the champions or some of the early adopters get in there and start doing it other people along the way will do it if they don't do it other people aren't going to see the need to do it because they're they're going to think to themselves well i have all these other tasks why should i do one thing that's less important than other things because my leaders aren't even doing it and i hope that makes sense it does absolutely the, the other piece is you're absolutely right um in giving feedback more frequently, you are actually alleviating the burden at the end of the year, trying to remember everything. Because when you don't remember something, it's happened to me, my employee will definitely remember it, <laughs> whether it's good or, oh, or good bad. And, and you don't want to be that person that forgot to tell them, uh, you know, that they scored an A plus on their test. At, at the end of the year, because they really want to hear that, and they want to hear that in order to maintain motivated, which which leads to that you know ever elusive engagement quotient that that everybody sort of wants. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you know a lot of companies are wrestling with these kinds of challenges, right? That of sort of what the moving off the traditional performance processes and performance documents and the ratings into something else, and that something else becomes a little bit can can move to as you've alluded to michael become almost too loose too difficult too um i don't know unstructured maybe and trish you weren't there because i did this show on site a few weeks ago when i went out over to paychecks and did the show with our old friend Lori zuka the chro of paychecks and we talked about performance management on that show and she shared she shared what they do internally at paychecks which was kind of an interesting kind of a hybrid blend between the two approaches which was basically centered around uh, a quarterly check-ins between managers and employees and each quarterly check-in the same four questions were reviewed right just so it was just four questions you could probably fill them out in about 15 minutes but you asked the same like one. passover steve yeah i guess so i don't know like uh it's uh it was interesting and i can't remember all the questions were but it's like basically like you know what's getting in the way of you you reaching your goals how close are you to reaching your goals that kind of thing but the good thing about it was it applied some structure. I guess my point is this. It wasn't just a blank slate of just random feedback delivered like in a Slack bot or something like that that you had to try to get your arms around, like especially at the end of the year. Uh, this put some structure but not that complete structure, that complete formality behind uh, the old traditional annual performance review. It was an interesting approach anyway. And folks, just go back. It's maybe seven or eight shows back. You can listen to that one if you, if you haven't uh, caught that show. It was pretty interesting, I thought. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think is a really good place to start when you're doing that, you're, and a lot of companies would think to themselves, well, should we have any structure? Should we make it all loosely defined? Well, maybe you want to make the, the process itself loosely defined, but in terms of giving feedback, have structure around that. For example, you know, everybody in HR, most people in HR, I should say, know what the SMART methodology is, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based. Sometimes you want to take a, a framework like that and apply it to either goal setting or feedback so that at least then you're, you're, um, 
you're being thoughtful about providing that feedback and whether or not it's going to be useful or helpful to the end goal, the end goal or what you want to achieve. You know, I, I think that's a good point. And, and I, I want to pivot a, a little bit off of what you're saying there. I mean, you're talking about the end goal, right? And so a lot of what organizations spend their time thinking about when they're, when they're doing performance evaluations of any type are the goals, right? It's actually, it's not just for the sake of, of, you know, giving someone something written in case you, you know, want to fire them at some point, right? That's all. I've, I've been on that side too, right? Of having to do that. But in all seriousness, it's, it's really about driving business goals and, and results, not even just business goals, driving results, right? So can you maybe pivot on that and talk a little bit more around sort of the importance of reviews and how, how more of these frequent reviews can, can really filter into the way an organization is changing using them towards their goals? Sure. So, so one of the things that, we used to think was, okay, let's, you know, uh, according to, you know, uh, Drucker, let's, let's set goals at the beginning of the year, because that way, when we have these goals to achieve, we're going to be able to know, you know, keep our eye on the prize, so to speak. Um, but what we've found is that setting and forgetting those goals, like what's that guy's name, Ron Popeil, who, you know, has the, All right. the, the that oven, set it and forget it. You don't want to. You don't want to do that with goals. You always want to continually be monitoring and measuring. And so, if you take your goals and set them once a year, and then sort of put them put them to the side, and then at the end of the year say, okay, let's see how we did on these goals. There's a high likelihood that they will either a have been achieved, you know, seven months ago when you could have set a, another goal for an employee. Or not achieved at all because there was they were so broad or high up or, or not enough direction that they they said okay well let me take these tasks at hand. So I think that along with feedback, if your if your um, approach is that I want to give feedback so people accomplish goals, which in my opinion is what it should be, well then think of setting goals as a more frequent process as well. Um, and people who who believe in this process will tell you that, you know, as you set those bigger goals and break them into more manageable chunks, they're more easily um, uh, not only definable, but achievable as well. So, you know, an analogy that I use is do either one of you ever get a list of things to do on the weekend from your significant other? Or have you mm-hmm. gotten this list in the past? I've been the one to give the list. Does that to, count? Oh, Sure. Absolutely. You know what? I'll, I'll take that in a second. I, my wife gives me the list too. What about, what about you, Steve? Anybody give you, or do you ever give anybody the lists? Uh, I, definitely, uh, been on that, uh, the receiving end of said lists. Uh, okay. Certainly. Me too. And my wife is really, really organized. Um, and she will give me a list of 15, 20 items to accomplish in a day. And I think to myself, she sounds like a real charmer, Michael. Just want to jump in there. (laughs) You know, so she really is. She she really (laughs) is. But but she's very organized and she she keeps the the organization of household going. What I'll tell you is, though, that when I get that those 15 items, especially if it's on a Sunday, well, I can't get one or two of them done because, first of all, football's on. And second of all, uh, it's too big to accomplish. There's you don't even know where to get started. And, you know, I if, but if I break that list down into more manageable chunks and have that dialogue with, in this case, my manager, my wife, 
and talk about, hey, can we break this down into more manageable chunks? Can I negotiate some of the timelines on these? Can I negotiate the deadlines? Then absolutely, those goals are a lot more achievable and everybody's got the same expectation set. That's one of the, the outputs of putting in place a more frequent performance yeah. system is that you're actually doing goals more often too. Let me do a quick reset, Michael. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes with Trish, Mc, Trish McFarlane, of course. Michael Heller is our guest from iReview. Michael, that is a great point, actually, and, and one I had not heard anyone make before in the kind of let's do more frequent feedback and more frequent performance check-ins kinds of conversations is the fact that, hey, let's also leverage this as an opportunity to do more frequent check-ins, more frequent updates, and more frequent maybe calibration of goals as well. I think that's a super point and one I think uh, probably needs to be made a little bit more frequently. I had another question, Michael, I wanted to throw out there, which also comes up uh, in this kind of conversation, particularly around what the, the what happens if, right? The what happens if we move off our traditional performance processes that we've always we've always known. You, you talked about this at the top, Michael, that often performance management, performance ratings uh, are tied into lots of other downstream processes, right? Like compensation, bonus, promotion, maybe the inclusion in, in high potential or some sort of leadership development programs, et cetera, et cetera. What are the kind of things that organizations you work with kind of do to help navigate the fact that if we truly stop doing annual performance ratings, you know, you're a, you're a 3.5 on the four-point scale kind of thing, how do you help them or how do they figure out ways to manage these downstream processes that typically kind of leverage those ratings as, as, as a key input? So they've asked, a lot of my customers have asked me the same question. And one of the approaches that I've given them, and, and I welcome criticism of this, and I know this is going to be avant-garde, is to go in with the approach at the beginning of a cycle or year and say, hey, you guys, next year raises for everyone are going to be cost of living. And that's it you're getting a cost of living increase at the end of the year. However, in order to make you whole, we're going to institute a real pay for performance type of system mm -hmm. where, where our managers and our leaders are going to be empowered to provide bonuses at given points in time based on your performance against goals. They're not going to be set in stone that you're gonna get this once a year or whenever, but when you achieve, you're going to receive. And there's one company of the companies that we have in our ecosystem that have implemented this. And I can't tell you how it's going so far because it's too soon to tell. Mm -hmm. sure. However, the, the um, engagement has increased. If, if that's any indicator of what like this guy, Aubrey Daniels says is important. If engagement goes up, well then, you know, discretionary, discretionary effort goes up and vice versa, performance will then increase and we should hit our company goals, which means that everyone will be getting a, a bonus as well. I'd love to come back on your show in a year and say to you, hey, remember that time we <laughs> talked about this? And, you know, this is how it failed or this is how it worked. But this is what I start to recommend to companies when they say, well, we want to move away from performance ratings because they don't really hold any impact except for how do they compare to other people across the organization. And we've got a limited supply of, of uh, comp to give out at right. the end of the year. So, so again, I, I think that this is really avant-garde and relatively new because people still want to tie a number to a dollar. Uh, but I think that that could be one way to do it, Steve. Hey, Michael, that's uh, really interesting. And we will 
hold, uh, take you up on that. We'd like to come back and hear about how that story ends up a, a year from now. Uh, there's another thing you mentioned uh, just in your last uh, comments, Michael, is about engagement. And I kind of like lump, I'm loose with these terms a little bit, kind of kind of lump engagement, experience, empowerment, even though it's not an E word, but like happiness, employee happiness, kind of, I kind of mix them all up and mash them around together. But I wonder if you could comment a little bit around um, the effect or the importance of solidly managed performance slash goal setting processes. And as that relates to things like employees, empowerment, their engagement, their satisfaction. I mean, because I've always believed that people are happier when organizations give them tools to be successful at work. And I'd love for you to comment a little bit about how how more attention to these processes and maybe updating some of them can can enable organizations to help their employees just, you know, be more successful in their jobs. Sure. Well, I, I like to talk about that with regards to a visual and, and I can't see you guys, but I would, and when I say you guys, Steve, like you, I'm from New Jersey, you guys is non-gender specific. Yes. So use guys. I, yeah. yeah. So, so close your eyes and think about a time when, when you've worked for your best boss ever. And don't think about the specific uh, task you were doing for that boss or, or, you know, what time of the year it was or anything like that. But think about what you were asked to do. Um, think about the, the thing that you were asked to do and think about it in terms of, was it challenging? And I would bet you would say that the, when I worked for a really good boss, I was given a challenge that was outside of my comfort zone, but something I was interested in and something that was achievable and that boss who I worked for really gave me the tools to do what I needed to do, but not so much oversight where I felt like I was being smothered by, by micromanagement. And if that paints a picture that you're used to, that's really what, what that's the visual of engagement. But to quantify that even further um, you know, there's this guy that's really smart out there. His name's Aubrey Daniels. If you're really into engagement like I am or, or into getting people to talk more frequently about performance, take a look at some of the things that he's talked about and done. But he he defines engagement really as discretionary effort, um, which is the delta between what someone wants to do at the top end and what someone needs to do mm-hmm. at the bottom end. And giving that giving that discretionary effort. So the more the more discretionary effort someone is is willing to put in, the more engagement they have one, and the more successful or the the higher performance they're they're going to have is is two. So where this ties into it, and this is a long winded story, but where this ties into what we're talking about here is the more frequent you can guide that employee with performance feedback, whether it's positive, you know, positive reinforcement or constructive criticism, constructive feedback, that person is going to be more successful. And, and that person is going to remember you as that boss that if somebody ever asks you to close your eyes and define that boss, they're going to remember you as that boss is, is what you're trying to do. You know, I love that you say that because as as you were talking about it, I'm like sitting there, of course, picturing a boss or two who have operated that way. And you're right. It, it makes you feel so connected, not just to that person, but definitely to the work you're doing, to your customers, to your, it just, it really goes throughout your entire daily experience at that employer. So um, one of the things I really 
thought was helpful is on your website, you have a whole section where you've talked about the different feedback phrases that can help employees feel more empowered. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? So what if I'm a, you know, a business leader, I've got a team, whatever, and I just don't feel like if I were to challenge myself and say, you know what, I bet when my team closes their eyes, they're not picturing me as that empowering leader. What are maybe some, some of the tips that you can give to help those types of leaders become that type of leader where they are the ones that are thought of as, as empowering? I mean, because they might be scared or they might not have had that kind of boss to emulate in their own career. So does that come up at your customers and, and how do you sort of advise them on, you know, using feedback in that vein? It, it does. And that's a really insightful question. And it's funny, the people who are typically the better leaders, Trish, are the ones who are introspective like you just were. When when you go to give feedback and, and be critical on yourself, the ones that are typically the, the bosses that quote unquote people leave, you know, people don't leave companies, they leave people, they leave bosses. They're the ones who know they're doing everything correctly and aren't necessarily willing to be that introspective. So the first thing I would I would say is that feedback is a two-way street. So when you're sitting down with your employees around their performance, maybe tell them that you want to set up a second section, a second session for them to say, hey, you know, we've talked a lot about what I think you could do to be doing your job better because I've got the vision of this group. But one of the things I want to do is remove obstacles for you. And I'd love to sit down and talk a little bit about what I can do for you to make you more successful. And that's going to be a really empowering question for your employee because they're going to be able to say, hey, first of all, the person who I'm sitting across the table from or next to really cares about, you know, this, not just this company, but but me. They're they're really interested in, in my well-being so much so that they're interested in my advice. So that would be that would be one thing. Remember that that feedback is a is a two way street. The other thing that I like to to tell people is there have been so many articles and discussions on when you're going to give, you know, constructive criticism or if you're about to tell some someone something they don't like to hear, soften the blow a little bit and use what we call the feedback sandwich and tell them, <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. great job on this. And then. But by the way, you could have done this a little bit better, but let's feel good again. And I'll tell you a good job again. That I got to tell you does not work because for one employee, they're going to hear only the negatives and not hear the positives for the other employee. They're only going to hear the positives and not hear the negatives. In other words, it's a confusing message. Yeah. So what I might recommend with constructive feedback, how about these key terms, be transparent, be honest, and be direct. So when you're giving constructive feedback, it might sting a little bit, like taking a Band-Aid off, but give the constructive feedback and ask the employee what they think about it and how they think that constructive feedback could either help them, help the organization, and get into a dialogue with them. Don't turn it into a one-way conversation. So again, coming back to being transparent, being honest, and being direct, isn't that sort of what we all want from people in the first place anyway? It is. You know, what's interesting is as you're sitting there talking and maybe this is why 
This is why I'm maybe not the best person to be on a show with you because everything you're saying I'm relating to as an employee, or maybe that is a good thing, right? Like, so you just made me think of um, one of my bosses I had, I won't name him, but he's probably not someone I would have ever thought of if you said like, oh, tell me your, you know, rank your top bosses in your career, right? This isn't a person that would pop to mind because he was very just kind of middle of the road on most things. But one thing as you were talking that he did is is to the first part of, of your answer, he would sit there and we would have hour long performance review meetings every so often. And we couldn't talk about anything tactical. We could only talk about what, what I needed from him to help me do a great job. Right. And there were many times it was so awkward sometimes. And sometimes we just sit there and look at each other for almost an hour. It was crazy. It was like at the time I thought, how crazy is this guy? But based on what you're saying, it's like, that's, he was really kind of doing the right thing. You know, it was all focused about me and my development and it wasn't about criticizing, you know, past tactics that I had used or whatever. So that was one thing that struck me as you were talking. So maybe he was a much better boss than I thought. Um, the second thing was he taught me something. I, I guess I've worked it into the way that I managed too, but I didn't really ever think about it. Um, he was really good about when he was critical, you knew it. But he always phrased it, not in that sandwich approach, but in the even better if. This would be even, you know, right. hey, you did this, it would be even better if you did this next time or added this to it or changed or tweet, you know. So it was like, it was still critical. You knew it wasn't, it wasn't getting fluff all the way around it, right, that you yeah. could distract yourself from. But I, I do like that idea of just being very direct with people and maybe telling them it would be it's fine would be even better if you did this better the other thing i've got two manager stories i want to tell real quick and i don't think i've told either one of them on the show and i'll be real quick about them the first is trish i agree with you My, the guy i look back on was a guy who is like oh who's your favorite or your best boss or your best manager you ever had it's one particular guy i remember really well and all he ever wanted to do was help us succeed right the guys on his team and i remember one time i was a pretty new guy young i was young and i was also pretty new in the organization went in to have a one-on-one -on -one with him at one point and you know, he gave the typical, yeah, so what, what's, you know, what's, what can we do to help you, you know, execute this project better? And I said something, oh, we need another person. We're just not, you know, we need more staff or whatever. And so, so, such a person was, wasn't getting released to, to work with us. And he just, in the middle of our meeting, he picked up the phone and called like the executive he needed to call and started kind of hassling that person to, to release the resource that I needed for my project, like right there, <laughs> like in real time, he just did it. And then, wow. Which was really cool. And I was like, oh man, I hope I didn't misspeak and get someone into trouble. But then the other, the other story I'll tell is kind of a little bit funnier, a little off topic, but my first real job, Trish, my first job out of college, right? First job, All corporate right. job. Right? And I've got some great stories about that job, but my, I started the job on a Monday, say, and it was the summertime, and the guy who was my direct boss was out on vacation that week, as it turns out, so he wasn't going to be back till the following week. And, uh, but, you know, some of the other guys showed me around and, and said, yeah, you know, got me sort of organized, got me squared away, and I'm... Then it was uh, I was going to meet my my real boss the following week, and the last thing they said to me was before I met the real boss was whatever you do, try not to stare at his glass eye, like that was, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the piece of advice, which was That's the great. worst advice, right? Because like, when I finally met him, that was in my head, right? How could you not like? <laughs> and you're how old? And you're how old at that point, Steve? Two, probably. Yeah. Two, yeah. So, so you don't know necessarily how to be tactful yeah. yet. 
Right. And and they tell, you know, whatever you do, Steve, you're going to be placed in a room and and there's a red button. Whatever you do, don't press yeah, that red exactly. button. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's my that's the quote from the show. Maybe uh-huh. whatever you do, don't stare at his glass eye. But it was he actually was a really good guy. I loved working for him. He was a sweet guy. But uh, yeah, it was really awkward that first. That's that so first true. Afternoon. I had one that had they told my new coworkers told me. Don't look at his weird thumbs. Yeah, yeah. He had the weirdest thumbs. They look like big toes. Oh, to this day, I can picture this guy's thumbs. Like, why do people do that when you're young? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, th- it's funny you guys talk about this. There's a guy that I listen to. Um, his name is Mike Rowe. And Steve, I know you both oh, know yeah. who he is, yeah. obviously. And he does these great podcasts. I listen to them because he basically calls them um, – the podcast for the curious minds with a short, short attention span. And they're, they're only five or 10 minutes long, but they're, they're about, you know, getting to a punchline or getting to that. And these just reminded me of this. And, and again, not to, not to, um, you know, blow smoke, but I know he's going to be one of the speakers, Steve, right at HR tech. Yes. In a few weeks, okay? So, wow. What a, what a, what a great opportunity. If you like stories like that, that are surprising. What a great opportunity. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Just not, of course, we can pitch HR Tech Conference a little bit. Mike Rowe is going to be our opening night keynote. And I did find out that I will be doing a one-on-one interview with him uh, at some point after the keynote. And possibly, Trish, and I'm, I'm trying to secure invites if you're interested too. Uh, there's like a meet and greet happening, some cocktails perhaps with Mike Rowe. So Absolutely. I, and then we'll try to get him on this show. That's going to be the big pitch, Trish. So we'll, yeah, we'll we have to do so. it. Michael Heller, this has been super fun. And I think we did make performance management conversations fun on the Happy Hour Show. I think we successfully did that today. This has been a pretty fun conversation. Where can folks go to learn more about what you're up to? I review. uh, Where would you direct folks who are interested in learning more about how you guys are helping organizations uh, wrestle with these challenges? Yep. So so there's a couple of ways. One, you can always go to my website, which is uh, ireview.me, not .com. It's I-R-E-V-U. Me. I'm certainly available and open to connecting on LinkedIn and and uh, you know Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter. Um, but we're going to be um, poking around and doing a little bit of speaking in the near future. We have uh, a virtual conference coming up on August 23rd at 11 a.m. with HR.com, doing a presentation called "Taming the Beast: Turning the Dreaded Performance Review into Impactful Conversations That Matter." Um, we're also going to be attending uh, HR Tech, Steve. So we should be there. And if you've got extra invites to meet Mike Rowe, I might hit you up, hit you All up right, for that. I'll work on that. <laughs> That's All a good, right. good pitch. And um, then in general, you know, in the fall is typically, as you know, Steve, conference season. We're typically out and about. But the best way to learn more about us is to go to iReview.me and poke around our website. I think we've got some really great content out there. Awesome. Michael, it's been super fun. Thanks for taking some time today. Thank you, guys. Trish, great fun. Love the show. See, I told you. You're right. I told you. Performance is is such a good topic. It always is entertaining, to me anyway. When I did the show with Lori from Paychex, I asked her, she was my former boss, I asked her at the end of the show to give me a performance review. So I'm going to ask you, Trish, how did I do on on the show today? Oh, you were excellent. You were excellent on the show. It would be even better if you let the rest of us talk a little more. All right. Perfect.
<laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm uh, totally kidding. No, that was excellent. Very well done. No, you well know, played. you know, like when we talk offline, I'm very, I'm very good about giving performance evaluations, right? You, you like, are, you are, you are transparent, <laughs> honest, and direct. That's what I would say about you, I, Trish. I, I think I just did the pre-show one yeah. earlier today. Did I not? <laughs> Absolutely. Someday we'll release the HR happy hour uncut kind of, you know, oh my the stuff that doesn't make the show. It'll be funny one. I love that. Wait, we should do an uncut. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, in the we'll future. work on that. In the future. All right. Thanks so much, Trish. Michael, thanks again. Thank you to Virgin Pulse, of course, www.virginpulse.com. Subscribe to the HR happy hour wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to add us on your Amazon uh, Echo device, HR happy hour on Alexa, to your daily flash briefing. That's it from the HR happy hour show. My name's Steve Bowes. For Trish McFarlane, for our guest Michael Heller, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.